topics of discussion, Carmelo Anthony, Kevin Durant, Des Bryant, and the Houston Texans. The number one thing the Texans need is to stay healthy. That's obvious. That's what everybody's afraid of. Can those group of individuals stay healthy and play a complete season? If they play a complete season and they're healthy, there's no doubt in my mind that this is the playoff team. No doubt whatsoever. You're tuned into the new channel sports podcast, the ultimate sports talk podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the new channel sports podcast. I'm your host, Oenyi. I'm being joined by the one and only Chris. What's going down, Chris? What's good? Trey is not with us today. He is a very, very busy man. Um, you can check him out on Facebook. He has a lot of wonderful things going on. But it is me and Chris here on the podcast right now. We have a lot of topics to talk about. We have an awesome show in store for you. You want to kick off with the Texans? You want to do that? Let's do it. Let's talk about them Texans, man. They, training camp is is upon us. The Texans are hard at work at training camp. We have J.J. Watt coming back. We have Deshaun Watson coming back. We have uh, J.D. Clowney. He's mm. obviously there. Mm. What can we expect from this Texans team going into this 2018 season? What do the Texans need to do to have a successful season? What players are going to be most impactful going into this season as well? Well, coming into this season, can you think of a year where the Texans had more expectations? There was that one year when we we went to the playoffs. We had Matt Schaub mm-hmm. and Andre Johnson and Arian Foster. Going to that next year, there were some people screaming Super Bowl. Yeah. That was the highest to me as far as expectations. This year has been pretty high as well. There's more so expectations about Deshaun Watson going to this year. But I think that year where we had Matt Schaub and Andre Johnson, that was the the highest expectations that have been. And it lived up to it that year until the end, and then they fell apart. Uh, I bring that up because I think this year is comparable to that. Expectations are high. I mean, the Texans have always been, whenever they were a solid team, a trendy Super Bowl pick. But I think this year, more than any year, they're going to be a trendy Super Bowl pick because of their roster coming back. Deshaun Watson's expectations are through the roof. But then when you have a defense coming back with J.J. Watt, who's hopefully healthy, and then you have a a, a Debian Clowney, you have a Tyron Matthew, the expectations are through the roof. So my, they need to do several things to make sure they meet those expectations. And that starts week one versus the Patriots. I mean, week one versus the Patriots, we do want them to win that game. We do want them to be impressive. But it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. The number one thing the Texans need is to stay healthy. Yeah. That's obvious. That's what everybody is afraid of. Can those group of individuals stay healthy and play a complete season if they play a complete season and they're healthy there's no doubt in my mind that this is the playoff team Mm -hmm. no doubt whatsoever i don't care what anybody says i don't care what trey says i don't care what anybody says i know trey's listening i don't care what you say trey if that team stays healthy they are a playoff team so we shall wait and see what happens as far as them staying healthy i'm most interested in looking at the secondary because if all things are equal let's say everybody's healthy 
The Texans' secondary with the addition of Colvin and obviously the addition of Tyron Matthew, I mean, last year they got torched. It was bad. And a part of that is because their their front, what, seven was, you know, banged up a little bit. So that makes them vulnerable because you're not going to get a pass rush. But let's say the pass rush is just decent this season. They're still going to get picked on. If Tyron Matthew is in that secondary and he is a star this season, I'm my eyes are gazed on him. And that's for all Texan fans. That's who we should be. Him and Aaron Colvin. Because if you remember when the Texans had their first big free agent suspending spree, when they picked up Jonathan Joseph and they had Daniel Manning, remember when they picked up that secondary? That year was an explosive year for the defense. And I think they did the same thing this offseason. So I'm looking at that secondary. Yeah, I'm looking at that secondary as well. And I'm also looking at a non-player here. We have Romeo Cornell back leading the defense. Yes. I think that is huge. Um, nothing against our previous defensive coordinator, who's you now mean, the head coach. What do you mean nothing <laughs> When I saw the Titans sign him as head coach, every Texans fan was like, yes. Yes. Go. But, <laughs> hey, I'm baffled by the decision, but whatever. That's their problem. We have Romeo Cornell back. Yeah. I think that this defense is going to take a leap forward. I think that his scheme and his just – idea of how to play football defensively is just going to help this Texas defense extraordinarily. I mean, I'm excited about that. Number one, Tyron Matthew, if he can be what he was for the the Cardinals, no one's really, they're not talking about this enough, I don't think. Mm -hmm. I know we have J.J. Watt. I know we have J.D. Clowney. I know we have um, Whitney. Whitney. I know we have those guys. I know that. But Tyron Matthew, he's a leader also. He's not just a leader on the field. He's a leader off the field. I'm very excited at the potential of what this defense can be. I think he is the most impactful player on this team, or he has the potential to be so. Yeah. Um, if he can go out there and disrupt defenses and make plays in the running game and the passing game, because he has the ability to make plays in the running game as well. Mm-hmm. If he can do that, and I think Romeo Cornell's a perfect defensive coordinator. He's going to be able to use him and put him in, put him in perfect positions to make plays. And as a Texan fan, you should be excited through the roof about that. And one of the things that also excites me about the defense is Cream Jackson moving to the safety. Cream Jackson, all Texas fans, you may hate him, but that man can tackle. He can't run. <laughs> He's not catching you going down the field vertically. But with Tyron Matthew there, they, that may be his role a little bit more. Ball hawking. And you allow somebody like Cream Jackson to be in the box mm-hmm. and stacking it up when they have, you know, run blitzes and things of that nature. And when it comes to that, Cream Jackson is fantastic. Yeah, I did want to talk about that. That was going to be the next thing I talked about was Kareem Jackson moving to safety. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw something on Twitter where they were posting Kareem Jackson. And say that I was like, it's about time. Dude, we were talking about Kareem Jackson being a safety for a pretty a couple of years now. I think that is a perfect perfect for position for him. He can guard tight ends, strong. running backs. Yeah. He can. I don't know about slot receivers so much, but what you mean I don't know about slot receivers? He'll get <laughs> he'll get he'll get torched, but he does have the experience of being a cornerback. Yeah, so that's going to help. I think the transition from cornerback to safety is going to be effortless for him he's gonna be really good back there and you pair him up with Tyron Matthews I mean look no one's really talking about this Texas defense they fell off last year yeah they did but the year before that in previous years they were a top-notch defense defense, yeah so no one's really talking about this the the only defense we're talking about in AFC South is them Jacksonville Jaguar boys that's the only defense we're talking Mm -hmm. about the Texans need to make a statement you're right this first game against the Patriots if they can go down there 
they played New England last year, and you can argue they should have won that game. Yeah. They should have won that game. Mm-hmm. If the defense can go there and put pressure on Tom Brady like they did that game, they didn't necessarily sack him, but they put enough pressure on him to kind of, you know, flush him a little bit. I think I think this defense has potential to be back top five. And, and, and let me be clear. When I say it starts week one, I'm not saying that Texans have to win that game. But if you go into Foxborough in week one and get the Patriots put up 42 points on you, that's that's very troubling. You can lose a game, but if they're scoring 40-plus points, the defense may not be as good as we're hoping it can be. From my eyes, I think this defense has the potential to not only be the best defense in Texans history, but to be the best defense in the NFL this season. I totally agree with you on that point. I'm going to have to disagree with you a little bit on the Texans going into that game. I would love to see them win that game, that first game. The Texans have a history of starting off the season very slow. I remember one year they went up against the Jets. Mark Sanchez. Ooh, that was bad. And that was a bad loss. That was at home, too. Yeah. Uh, they, they've had a couple of starts off to the season where you're like, is, are they prepared to play? Yeah. I want to see them prepared to play, and I want to see them finish. They had a problem finishing last year. I want to see them go up to Foxborough. Don't get me wrong. They could lose that game. If they have a great showing there, that's great. That's mm-hmm. fine. But I want them to finish the job. I don't want them to go up there. Deshaun Watson has four touchdowns. 500 yards or what? I know 500 is a lot, but this incredible stats and they cut with a loss. I want to see them win that this game. This is my fear with that game is the is the Kansas City Chiefs. Remember week one, Kansas City went there, beat the brains out, just knocked them out. And all of a sudden, everybody's saying Super Bowl contender. And you can't even breathe. You can't make mistakes. And it's just it becomes a weight on you that only a team like the Patriots seem to wear well. For the Texans, we already have high expectations. Can you imagine the Texans go there? I mean, as a fan, I would love to see it. But can you imagine they go there, they win the game 28-13. Just domination all over the field. After the game, everybody's saying, Super Bowl contender. And I don't know if this young team can handle that. Look at the smile he has. I, I'm just, I don't want that. I am cheesing out of control. <laughs> this is why, though. How many young players do we really have on that team? Deshaun Watson. But that's your quarterback. That's a quarterback. I understand that. Okay. But he's really the only one there. J.J. Watt is a veteran. Kareem Jackson is a veteran. You have Hopkins. He's a He's a veteran. So if they go up there and they win, I know they will be in a position that they have never been in before where people are looking at them and say, you know what? This might be the team. I'm okay with that. I still want them to be the competitive. I still want them to win that game. All it means to me is that they're taking a step forward if they go into Foxborough and able to win. I know it's a long season. I just said that it's a it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. But it will be great for Houston Texan fans if the Texans, this Texans team can prove they ain't going to a place like Foxborough and win because that's not necessarily a question, but we want to know what does this team have to offer moving forward? I, I agree with that. I, what I'm more talking about is winning a game like that puts a certain amount of weight on you. And you're right. We don't have many younger players, but this is still that same Texan team that wore those Letterman Jacksons of Foxborough. I got the why. Books. Why would you bring that up? <laughs> why would you bring up the Letterman Jackets on this show? There are certain things you don't talk about on this show. <laughs> I've already explained those to you before the podcast. I have to, we have to have a talk on the podcast, sir. But this is the thing, though. They went into that game with supreme confidence. And I can see them having that Letterman jacket mentality after winning a game like that. Yeah, I'm rooting for them to win it. But it takes a certain mentality to be called Super Bowl contenders. Because let's be real, man. AFC, 
they're not that many great teams. You have the Patriots, you have the Steelers, and then it's really just everybody else. And, and the, the Steelers Jaguars. are really not that good. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you win a game like that, people are going to – they're already talking about you, but they're really going to be talking about you after that. And it's not going to be just talking about the Texans because we are assuming if they win – that Deshaun Watson has a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. If Deshaun Watson is able to go in there into Foxborough and win, a lot of the pressure is going to be on him. We already know that quarterbacks, their rookie season, they have successful seasons. That next season, the sophomore season, is the one where defenses are going to be locked in on. He's like, okay, we know what you can, you can do. Mm-hmm. We know all your tricks. Now we're going to try and stop that. Can Deshaun Watson take that next step and go to the next level. That's what we're going to be looking at. Yeah, we'll be looking at that, but let's be clear. He hasn't had a full season. He's only played, what, six games? Uh, six phenomenal games at ph- that. Phenomenal games, but I don't know if he's going to hit that proverbial rookie wall for about 12 weeks into the season. I don't see, I think he's going to be just fine. Obviously, he's going to put up those numbers that he put up. No. But as far as everybody in the NFL saying, oh, we know what his book is. No, you don't. Six games is not enough to know what, the, what he can do. I think he's going to come out on fire, and and I think there'll probably be a point during the middle of the season when he finally has hiccups. I can agree with that. I don't think there's enough tape out there on Deshaun Watson to really know what he's capable of doing. But he had the six games he had last year, he was on a historic run. Against really good teams. Against really good teams. Yeah. Right. He was putting up numbers, and he was making other players look great. Will Fuller under other quarterbacks, seemed like he was going to be a bust. But you put Deshaun Watson back there, all of a sudden, Will Fuller looked like phenomenal. Because <laughs> he knew how to utilize a wide receiver of his caliber. Yeah. So coming into this next season, you're right. He's going to hit a wall. But I do think that we have enough pieces around him to where it's not going to matter. If this team... Now, I know this sounds ludicrous, but the Texans have a legitimate shot going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think so. Now, the only thing that's stopping them, of course, that's stopping every team in AFC is the New England Patriots. But let's just say this is the season that Tom Brady finally falls off. Then it's open season. It really is. The only other team that you can look at that might have a a better shot than the the Texans will be the Steelers. And I don't think they're that good. I think they're they've been overrated for a couple of years now Yeah, because their defenses have not been that great. So when you look at that, even if Deshaun Watson hits the wall, you're going to have to think that that defense is going to be way, way better than they were in the past couple of years. No, I agree with that. I agree that you would hope the defense would be better. More importantly, the AFC is just not stacked. It's not. Nowhere near what the NFC is at all. Now you, we could have some surprise teams and some sleepers that we're not really, we don't know yet until the season comes. But from this point right now, you're right, it's probably Steelers, Jaguars maybe. Until the Jaguars fix their problem at quarterback, and yeah. I call it a problem, because Blake Bortles, I don't believe that he can take them to the next level. Teams that have great defenses going into the next year. It's difficult. It's very it's difficult. A great burden. So I do think out of all the teams in the AFC South, you have the Tennessee Titans, you have the Colts, you have the Texans, and you have the Jaguars. The Texans, if you want to bet on any team improving from last year, you have to bet on the Texans, yeah. number one. Now, if Andrew Luck is really healthy. That's a, always a big if. That's a big if. Yeah. But if he's actually healthy, then that's the next team that you can look at taking a step forward. Yeah. The Tennessee Titans, they're pretty much a dark horse. I have no idea what to expect from them. That team is going to rise and fall on the arm of Mariota. Mm-hmm. 
that's what I think there. And then you, you have Jacksonville. Jacksonville is going to be good. They're going to be solid. As long as they have that defense, they're going to be solid. They're going to be tough to beat. So with that all being said, the Texans have they have a pretty good shot. If they can just beat the teams that they're supposed to beat and hang in there with teams that might be a little bit more difficult on the road, we might be looking at a you know a, the Texans might be the surprise team. I, I agree with that. I would say the Texans' biggest weakness going into the season is their offensive line. It was horrible last season, and it didn't really get much better this offseason. We just got basically duct tape, just pieces to try to make it work and hope Deshaun Watson can make magic again. That's what we're really hoping for. So the offensive line and then the running back position, Lamar Miller has to give us more. I agree with that. Lamar Miller, going into that season where we picked him up, I thought that he was going to be the biggest pickup. He's been so-so since he's been a Texan. That's, that's, that's very and that's, and that's that's being. I think, I think he's been BS. Mm. <laughs> I don't think he's been good at all. You know, we we like to say that a quarterback might have a bad year based on their offensive line, but we really don't give enough blame to the offensive line when the running back has a bad year. I think the offensive line is to blame a little bit for Lamar uh, Miller's faults. I, 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 that's, I, man, I'm giving him. He runs straight. Like, it, find the hole, homie. <laughs> like, look for a hole. He just runs straight there. If it's a wide open hole, he's going to take it to the house. But it's not there. You got to be a little more patient. You just can't run into the backs of your offensive linemen. He's just not patient enough. Uh, Foreman from Texas, when he came in, was completely different, night and day. And then he, what, I think he tore his Achilles. So, yeah, that's a big season. Yeah, that's a big a good part, portion of the season. So hopefully he comes back. So during that time, Lamar Miller has to be better. Yeah, Lamar Miller does have to be better, but I cannot take the onus off of the offensive line. The offensive line has to be better as well. I think if the offensive line takes that step forward, it would improve the whole offense in general. Yeah. Not just Deshaun Watson's play, but Lamar Miller's play as well. Lamar Miller has been a bust since he's got here. I, I totally agree with you with that. So that is... Second weakest position on the Texans after the offensive line has to be the running back position. I think that the quarterback is a, is a strength. Wide receivers is definitely a strength. Um, the tight ends, we're going to wait and see. I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters either. That's why I'm kind of seeing wait and see. That might be a position where if um, – I forgot who's taking the helm now. I forgot his name. I think but it's Anderson back there. It's Anderson. I think it's someone else too. But if okay. if that person can take the helm and actually be a threat, then hey, wow. The offense might be clicking on all cylinders. The offense was phenomenal last year under Deshaun Watson. And if that tight end position can just be another weapon for him, the sky's the limit for that offense. Yeah, the, the, for the entire team, sky's the limit. The big fear for Texans fans, and we all know it, is Bill O'Brien. I mean, there are several points last season where – you go for it on fourth down. You go win the game. I don't think he understands how to win a game, but he definitely knows how to lose one. I think that might be an advantage for him this year. Since he knows what he does, he cannot do this year, <laughs> there are maybe three to four games last year that you look at and say, at the end, Bill O'Brien losses this game. Mm-hmm. I'm not completely sold on Bill O'Brien as a coach. Um, I do like him. As a head coach, that might sound odd. I like him, but I'm not sold on him yet. I think going into this year, we're going to find out a lot about Bill O'Brien, especially if the Texans can stay healthy. 
you're always looking for that game where you'd be like, okay, so what is Bill O'Brien going to do to mess right it up. here? Yes. To mess it up. I, 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 you say that. I don't want to say that. I'm trying to steer away from that. I'm just trying to say, what is he going to do? You're hoping that this is the game where he makes the right decision and he is the reason the Texans win that game. I can't really name you any games off the top of my head that I felt like, wow, coaching won us this game. Even the games that the Texans have won, there have been plays here and there like, what is Bill O'Brien thinking? Let me ask, but do you play Madden? Yes. I mean, not lately, but I play I play Madden. So you know when you're playing somebody on Madden and you're going against head-to-head, you don't know who the person is. Sometimes they do things you're like, all right, make this conservative play. You know, they try to kick a field goal thinking it's real, like just give me the ball back. That's what he does. Like when I play Madden against other people, they do something really conservative, and I come back to beat them. I'm just all sh- I never do anything conservative when I play Madden. I'm going for the win because when I lose, I want it to be on me. I can't let somebody else beat me, right. and he just seems to be content with letting somebody beat him. Yeah, and that and that is what separates the great head coaches from just the regular head coaches. You look at Bill Belichick; he's had some plays here and there. You thought, what is he thinking? Yeah. But he's doing what he. Thinks he needs to do to help his team win. He does not play to not lose. He plays to win. And in some cases, taking that risk, you're going to lose. No doubt about it. Bill O'Brien, we've had coaches like this before. Bill O'Brien, I can't remember, uh, Kubiak. Kubiak definitely played not to lose. Until he went to Denver. Yeah, until he went to Denver. Then he gambled on everything. He gambled everything. (laughs) I'd be like, who is this guy? Well, this guy in Houston, after the heart attack, he's like, you know what? I don't have much time left. I'm going to gamble on every single play. I wish you would have had that heart attack earlier when he started to take this. It's a joke. It's a joke. (laughs) But anyway, that is what separates the good coaches from the great coaches. And then you have the average coaches in between. Not all the coaches have the weapons to do that as well. I agree. Bill Belichick has Tom Brady. He's like, I can take a lot of risk if I need to. So in all this, we have decided that Tyron is, is is a very important player to that defense. And, of course, the most important player in the offense is Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Bar none. Let's talk a little bit NBA. Let's do that. So your boy, Kevin Durant, he loves Twitter. He loves to voice his but opinion on Twitter. Why do you keep calling him my boy? It's not your boy? <laughs> that is not. Is that your favorite player in the NBA? Don't you have a poster of him above your bed on your wall? <laughs> okay, so he's not your boy. But Kevin Durant, okay, so the latest beef he has is with CJ McCullum, right? He's on CJ's podcast. Um, they talk a little bit. He basically, Kevin Durant basically tells CJ, Y'all not winning a championship. He doesn't. He <laughs> says you're not he winning. He says it or verbatim. You're not winning a championship. Okay, so let's go back real quick. Right. Can you imagine we have a guest on here? Let's just say Trey, because you're a guest, Trey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but now somebody comes to our, our, our podcast and starts talking noise. That's a problem. It's not necessarily a problem. You're the guest. You can say whatever you want to. If we have Kevin Durant on our show right now, on our podcast, yeah. Kevin Durant can say whatever he wants to say. So if he, if I, you know I'm going to say something funny to him. You if have he, to. If he says something like, go back and clean your mom's house, we're going to have a problem. That's fine. That's fine. That's entertaining. That's why I like it. I like what Kevin Durant's doing. I think it's thoroughly entertaining. Not everybody needs to be hiding behind this facade of yeah. this being clean all the time and just, I, I love what Kevin Durant's doing. I mean, look, if that's who Kevin Durant is, which I think that's who he is, he is, he is sensitive. 
it, it's obvious. He but it's saying he's like a sensitive jerk. This doesn't make sense. If that's who he is, that's who he is. Be who you are, bro. <laughs> Be who you sense. are. I mean, that's what social media is for, though. When you, if you're not an athlete or someone famous, that's what people do. Regular guys do that all the time on Twitter mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Twitter is the one, but they always talk trash. Let him, let him do what he does. Now, as far as what CJ McCollum, he didn't have to say all. He could have said all he said on the podcast. He waited till he was off the podcast to start talking stuff. Well, he did saying, call himself on the podcast. Did he? Yeah, he did. Did he? Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> I have to look up that. I don't know if he said that he was soft on the podcast or after it was the podcast. It was I, well, podcast. I have to check that out. But if we have someone on our, if we have Kevin Durant on our show, he's free to say whatever. Kevin, listen to me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to come on this podcast and you want to say whatever you want to say, you know, Chris is not a fan of yours anymore. 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 He used to be yeah. until you jump ship to the Warriors. But if you want to come on this podcast, you say whatever you want to say. We're going to, we're going to talk imano imano. There's not going to be anything left behind. We're going to say what we have to say on the podcast. I agree with that. I ain't scared. <laughs> I know Kevin Durant's not scared either. If you want to come on the show, buddy, just come on the show. We'll, we'll talk whatever you want to talk about. We'll talk about how you, you left OKC. You had a team there. You were up 3-1. And you left and you decided to go to the team that beat you. We could talk about you that. You say that now. But when he's here and he calls you a bum. In your face on this podcast. That ain't going to bother me because I know I'm not no bub. So it's not going to bother me. He can say whatever he wants to say. <laughs> we'll just, you know, Kevin Durant being on the podcast will elevate the podcast, obviously. Yeah. No doubt. So we would love to have him on the podcast. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. And this is what we talk about. The media always talks about we want our athletes to be real. But then when they're real, we're like, what are you talking about? But it's the thing, though. If you're going to be real... You got to deal with the real repercussions of being real. And it seems like he wants to be real. And then when we get at him, it's like, but we all, why, why is everybody picking on me? Bro, you you did this to yourself. Nobody did this to you. So what do we want then? Do you want, okay, so the athlete, he's being real. Then all of a sudden he faces those repercussions. He's like, oh, I don't want this. Let me just back off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of the spectrum, when we're not being real and we're just doing everything about the book, we're like, why are you why are you doing that? But this that's not Kevin Durant, though. This is what Kevin Durant does. He he becomes real. He says, Why are you guys giving me these repercussions? All right, I'm gone. Two weeks later, here he is again. He can't help himself. Real. He can't help himself. I, obviously. <laughs> he can't help himself. It doesn't matter who it is. Teenagers, CJ McCullum, it doesn't matter who it is. He is gonna clap back on you. He's gonna say something. And I can respect that. At the end of the day, I can respect that. Anybody that wants to speak their mind and say what is exactly on their mind, I can respect that. That's that's the same realm that Charles Barkley is in. Charles Barkley is not going to back down from nobody. He's not yeah. on social media like that. Yeah. But if you say something to Charles Barkley, he's damn sure going to say something back to you. But how many times have you heard Charles say something that was just downright disrespectful? It's not often. It's normally what you do on the court, and it makes it funny. Mm-hmm. But – Kevin Durant makes it personal. Well, I think if Charles Barkley grew up in this age where social media is everywhere, he would talk more personally to people as well. Yeah. He talks about stuff. He talks more about basketball play. He's like, that guy's terrible about their basketball play. But if he grew up in this era, I think he would be more on social media like that as well. I think what's probably most telling about C.J. McCollum is – because everybody, CJ McCollum's always on ESPN. He's clearly thinking about life after basketball. He can speak good. 
He has a nice podcast. He's a smart guy. We get that. But he was the perfect person to tell Kevin Durant exactly what other players in the NBA think about him. He called him soft. And then after that in the tweet, he said it's like having a gang of brothers <laughs> and getting beat up and then joining the other gang to beat up your brothers. That is the highest level of disrespect. When I saw that tweet by C.J. McCollum, I kind of cringed. Because whenever you play sports, I don't care what level, uh, high school, middle school, peewee, you're always a gang of brothers. Always. That's what you would call yourself. We call ourselves brothers. And to use that analogy was basically spitting in his face. Look, man, I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk about this Kevin Durant decision again, because that's what this, this all stems from. Whether Kevin Durant wants to admit it or not, that's what it stems from. You can be playing back. We both play basketball. We play pickup basketball. There are some instances where you're playing with a team and you wish you were not on that team Mm -hmm. or you wish this team was changed in some way, shape or fashion. Mm -hmm. We can't continue to sit here and blame Kevin Durant for the decision he made without giving the NBA some of that blame. How do you allow this to happen? How do you allow <laughs> a How team? You move your hands like because that? <laughs> I have to move my hands like that. How do you allow a seventy-three win team to pick up arguably the second best player in the league? How do you allow that to happen? I agree. So at a certain point in time, this has been an age-old topic. Eventually, we have to blame the NBA for this. And not only that, now they have the Marcus Cousins. I don't really blame the NBA for the Kevin Durant thing, though. Kevin Durant went to a team that won that many games, and he's still sensitive about it because he knows what he did was soft. It all comes back to that word soft. Everybody calls him soft or weak. And after a while, I mean, he's won his championships, so let it go. But the problem is when you win your championships and you did it in a, in a, in a, in a weak way, you're going to be sensitive. You're going to keep clapping back. Because if he didn't think it was a weak move, he would never clap back. But this is the thing about it. No one else is being quiet about it. Every other day, he has to go on Twitter, go on ESPN. That's the point, though. He has to look at what people are saying about him. Eventually, I don't care what move you make as a human being. It could have been the wrong move. You could have been like, afterwards, you know, this is the wrong move. It's like if you get married to someone. Mm -hmm. Your parents hate this woman. Mm -hmm. They're like... You should not have married this woman. Every day I tell you this. You should not have married that woman. Mm-hmm. Day after day, Monday through Sunday, they're yeah. telling you, you should not have married that. Yeah. You know what? One day you have to clap back. You just can't take it every but, day. But there's a difference, though. There's a difference. He's not clapping back. He's starting it. He's the one who told CJ McCullough. Not in every instance. But that's the thing, though. He keeps coming out. It's like he's stupid or something. Bro, just go home and stay home. But that's not what Kevin Durant is. What Kevin Durant ultimately wants, he wants everybody else. He wants people to respect him. And the problem is every time he comes out of his house, he's thinking like the sun's going to shine on his face and he's still getting eggs thrown at him. He doesn't know why. Because nobody respects him. The truth is, CJ McCollum, what he said, I guarantee you if you polled 90% of the current NBA basketball players, they would probably call him soft. That hurts as a professional athlete when you don't have the respect of your peers, knowing that you're the second best player in the world. You got to live with the decisions you make. <laughs> That's just the bottom line. I can't. Sometimes I feel sorry for Kevin Durant. I do, too. I really do. I mean, he made a decision. He's a he's a grown ass man. He made a decision. And you can't put all the blame on him. Because the NBA allowed that decision to go through. 
that's a team. He could pick that team if he wanted to. I know that people want the league to be competitive, but it seems like every so often there are dominant teams in the NBA. Mm-hmm. The Golden State Warriors just happened to be that dominant team. He had the Lakers. They had their run. He had the Celtics. They had their run. He had the San Antonio Spurs. They had their run. This is the way the league is. Yeah. You can't put all the blame on Kevin Durant. I'm sorry. Just can't do it. I agree with you. I just put 99% on him. That's it. 99%. Hey, man. 99%. Hey, man. man. At the end of the day, this man has to put on his shoes before he goes on the court. He has to look himself in the mirror and know. That's pretty harsh, bro. That's pretty harsh, man. I mean, he has his championships. Let's not forget that. He he is a two-time NBA MVP. NBA Finals MVP. Right. Hey, man. And he beat LeBron twice to do it. He did. Hey. Welcome to the club. So we'll stay in the NBA discussion. We had a lot of free agents going to certain teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, of course, DeMarcus Cousins. He goes to the Golden State Warriors. You have um, other free agents that have decided to join new teams. Which one of these free agents joining their new team has kind of been under the radar, kind of underrated? Which one of these free agents do you think is going to really help their team come next season? So is LeBron not an option? LeBron is obviously an option. Well, it's clearly LeBron. But it's not underrated. People already know what LeBron James is going to bring to that L.A. Laker organization. Uh, People do. I think, though, I, I would never say this with Dre around, but <laughs> I'm being their roster right now, even without LeBron, they're loaded. They just needed to figure out a way to get them going. You think they're loaded? Loaded with talent, yeah. What? They're loaded. Josh Hart, Ingram, no. Kuzma, no. Screech. No. Rondo. Are you serious? No, 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 no. <laughs> what? They I don't think they're loaded. Oh, they're loaded. When you talk about the Golden State Warriors. No, well, listen. I said loaded with talent, though. Loaded with talent. Nobody's loaded like the Warriors. That's, we don't even use the word loaded with the Warriors. They're just, they're, they're, they got something different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about all the other teams in the NBA. But that's a move. But one of the moves that nobody is talking about, because this team is probably not a championship team, but I thought it made them so much better, was Tyreek Evans going to uh, Indiana. Indiana made a number of nice moves this offseason that, in my opinion, put them, they're not one of the favorites in the East, but with LeBron gone, we talk about this. It's a wide open race. If there is a team other than the big three in the East, so big three being the Celtics, Raptors, and the Sixers, I think that next team might be the Pacers. Because you already have Victor Oladipo coming back, and he's getting better. Um, and then you have Tyreek Evans added on to that team. Watch out. Mm, I don't know about that. I don't know if Indiana's really going to take that step forward. They they were competitive last year. They took LeBron James and that Cleveland Cavalier team 2-7. So I do see where you're coming from. Um, I have two different players that I'm looking at here. I think that Mark is smart, even though we kind of already knew he's going to go back to Boston. But them being able to keep him in Boston, I think that was huge. Marcus Smart is a very smart basketball player. He's a very good defensive player. Him being on that team works wonders for them. The second player I'm looking at, and I don't want why I'm saying this, but I think it's a big deal. Is Dwight Howard going to Washington? Oh, my God. I think that's a big deal. Why do we when always look- need to do a drug test? <laughs> Every single time? <laughs> Are you serious? Hey, I, I will pass a flying color, sir. I'm drug-free. But Dwight Howard going to Washington, I think that's that's a little bit under the radar. People are talking about Dwight Howard like he's just a cancer to their team. He's been um, compared to Terrell Owens in some fashion. Mm-hmm. But I do think that that's a pretty good team. You look at Dwight Howard's numbers. 
he's going to help that team significantly. I, I think he he's this is my especially problem. with LeBron James being out of the. This uh, is the my East. problem with Washington, and I've spoken well. I, you know how I felt about Dwight Howard. I think he's a terrific uh, player, and I think he he gets just. Bad things said about him way too often, right? Because for what he has done in the league, it's, he's been a Hall of Fame player. Look, opinion. look at the league, the, the year he had with James Harden, fantastic season. And I think he can duplicate that with John Wall. But this is the, this is the problem. <laughs> Washington has a problem because those two guys don't get along. John Wall and Bradley Bill. It's obvious. And did you see that John Wall photo in the USA camp? Homeboy looks like a bum. He's been eating Twinkies this off season. He has not <laughs> been working out. So John I don't know. Wall, John Wall will be okay. I don't know. See the photo. If you haven't seen that photo with him in USA camp, go look at it. But that team has always just had chemistry chemistry issues. That's always been their issues. And to throw in someone like Dwight Howard, who also has baggage of having chemistry issues, I mean, they could be really bad next season, potentially having to trade one of those two guys. Bradley Beal and John Wall, yes, they do have their differences. But that's nothing new in the NBA. There are people that play with one another and they hate each other's guts. There's, there's a difference though. These cats ain't winning. <laughs> you see, I can put it with you not liking each other. But they they, if they you're make winning. they make the playoffs year after year. They have been predicted to do great things going to seasons and let us down multiple times. Yeah. So I'm not saying that Dwight Howard is gonna come up in there and you're right. Dwight Howard might come in there and just this team might fall to the face of the earth. But you look at the White Howard's numbers. It's not like during the season people talk about the White Howard and say, "Oh, why is this guy on our team?" or "He's a terrible teammate." It's after the season is said and done. Mm-hmm. I think that if you put him there with that Washington team, he has a lot of talent with Bradley Beal and uh, John Wall. When he had that kind of talent in James Harden, mm-hmm. he had a pretty good year. You can't put the the blame on him that the Rockets weren't able to get further but that was the farthest the what hired is, has gone since um leaving orlando. um orlando yeah i mean they, they, you're right from the standpoint they have the potential to be good i see them as a if everything goes well for them they are a potential dark horse similar to how i feel about the pacers um if they get it right then they're really a challenge because they're one team that you know is not afraid of anybody in the east they they have to feel like they had that uh chance to get to the uh the finals as well. My biggest fear is Scotty Brooks. Scotty Brooks is always is, an, is always something that I'm looking at because he's. Just, I don't think he's that good of a coach. If I'm gonna be honest with you, but to pick that team to be one of the teams to be a dark horse is, is that's kind of iffy for me. Not necessarily a dark horse. I just think that the addition has been under the radar, which I understand. You look at the history of the White Howard. He really hasn't had good chemistry with any team going back to that Orlando Magic team. They had. Pretty decent chemistry with the Rockets, and those are the only two teams you can look at where he had pretty good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Even last year, without having good chemistry, he put up some pretty good numbers. I do think that that Washington Wizards team is built similar to the Orlando Magic team, mm-hmm. and they have a way better point guard in John Wall, or just in the backcourt in general with John Wall and Bradley Beal. If they can get their you-know-what together mm-hmm. and play together as a unit, being in that Eastern Conference, people might sleep on them a little bit. I mean, who knows what can happen? So, staying in the NBA, it seems like every podcast we have to talk about this guy, Carmelo Anthony. He's eventually, officially going to be a Rocket. It hasn't really happened yet. Yeah. Carmelo Anthony has some interesting things to say. This guy definitely does not want to come off the bench. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony is going to be a starter. So, any of us Rocket fans that thought that maybe he's going to be a sixth man, 
it's not going to happen. He also went into depth to pretty much say that he had a subpar season last year because he was just thrown into the fire in that OKC team. He didn't have enough time to really mesh in jail with them, and the scheme was all wrong. He pretty much put the blame on OKC all the way through on that. Going into this next year with the Rockets, I do think that the addition with Chris Paul and Jace Harden is going to help Carmelo Anthony, but I don't think that he's right in saying that OKC was to blame for his subpar season. He has to take some of that blame. Right? Oh, yeah. There's no doubt he has to take some of the blame. Boom. Let's be clear about the timeline he's talking about. Remember, when he got traded there, they were pretty much days away from training camp. So he's waiting there thinking he's going to Houston. That's clearly not going to happen. The Knicks come to him and say, hey, okay, see, it's a potential team. Let's make it get done. They get it done. He flies there. They're in training camp. And they're trying to mesh this whole thing together. And it never was right from the first place. I do agree with him that most of the blame is on OKC because you have to look at the, their scheme or lack thereof because they didn't have one. There was no scheme last year. They had ballers on the court and they're just passing the ball to each other. In the beginning of the season, nobody really wanted to take the lead. Westbrook didn't really feel like he wanted to do it. Paul George looked uncomfortable. Metal looked uncomfortable. So when you have all of your star players uncomfortable not knowing their roles, you have an issue. So I can I can if you had to, if I had to put a percentage on it, who's to blame? I would say eighty percent was on OKC and their coaching staff, and twenty percent of it was on Melo. But this is the problem with Melo. I don't think Melo knows that his game is not where it was, say four or five seasons ago. In his brain, he's still an elite scorer, an elite player, and he's not that. He hasn't been that in a while. He needs to also understand what his role is. And I think that's going to be solidified when he comes to the Rockets. I think that Chris Paul is going to sit him down. Mike D'Antoni is going to send him down. Even James Harden is going to send him down. Like, this is your role. But I do see Carmelo Anthony come into this season as a person who's hungry. He's going to want to prove to everybody that he is still an elite player. Whether or not that's good news or bad news for the Rockets is yet to be seen. Yeah. But I do like the idea of Carmelo Anthony being hungry going to a season. Championships are not going to motivate this man. Money obviously does, but he has enough money now to where it's not a motivational point. But I do think that proving critics wrong is going to be motivation for him. It's almost like what the Patriots do to players. They bring in older players, players that people think are washed up. They bring them to the organization so that they can kind of prove a point. This is kind of the same thing as happening with Carmelo Anthony. He's going to come into next season. I would not be surprised if there's a stretch where we look at Carmelo and be like, wow, this guy still has it. It's just, when is that stretch going to happen? Is it going to happen towards the end of the season? Is it going to happen in the playoffs? Is it going to be in the beginning of the season? But I can almost guarantee you that there's going to be a stretch where we're going to look at Carmelo and be like, this is Carmelo of old. I do think because the Rockets do have a scheme that they play by, it's going to help Carmelo tremendously. It's always great to go into organization where have everything together. And not only that, we want Carmelo. We have embraced the idea of having Carmelo here as a player. When he went to New York, that's where he wanted to go. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't really that much embraced going there. Same thing with OKC. OKC, after a certain point, they wanted him gone. We have embraced Carmelo coming to Houston for a couple of years now. He's going to be hungry. He's going to be playing with people that understand that they can help him out and vice versa. So I think we're headed in a good direction. I'm I'm kind of getting tired of seeing, 
oh, this is a good move for the Rockets. This is a bad for Rock- Are we going to be better or worse with Carmelo? I think that Carmelo's, even though he still has it in his head that he's a starter, that he's an elite player, at least we're going to be getting a hungry Carmelo come into this season. Yeah, and you're right. That could be a good thing or a bad thing. I think for most Rockets fans, it's one of two extremes. There's some Rocket fans out there who think he's going to be elite. That ain't happening. And there's some stretch of Rocket fans that think he's just going to be horrible. But if that were the case, we would just cut him. I mean, at that point, he'd be gone. I think it's somewhere in the middle where he would just be a, just a solid NBA player. I agree with you. He'll be hungry. And we have a system. But the thing with Melo is, is he going to play in that system? Because this is the thing. Once you get to a certain age as an athlete, we ain't teaching you nothing new. You're going to play the way you've played because that's the only way you know how to play. Remember, we talked about this with Iverson before. I mean, you can't. At some point, Iverson's career was done. He he was who he was. You're not, you're not going to change that. So for the Rockets, we have to make sure that he fits into the scheme. And it has to be early. If we see it's not happening early, Somebody needs to go to that brother and say, you're going to the bench. And if he wants to say he's not going to the bench, just cut him. At that point, who is going to want to touch him? He's not going to the bench. We can stop saying that. (laughs) Based on his comments, he is not touching the bench. He is a starter. So you look at the numbers he had last year. I think he averaged about 16 points Mm -hmm. throughout the season. And that was without a scheme. I'm not saying that Carmelo is going to be an elite basketball player. I'm not going to say that. But I do think that he definitely did not fit what OKC was trying to do. And I I can say that about a lot of players on the OKC team. That team is not necessarily built around Russell Westbrook. It's just a bunch of players that are playing with Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. I think that Carmelo can come into this, this Rockets team right now and he can fit perfectly. Because as long as he understands this, he can still think that he's a starter. But as long as he understands that James Harden is the number one star on this team. Yeah. And then number two is Chris Paul. And then you get your touches here and there. Yeah. The Rockets will be fine. I can agree with that. But that's a stretch. I think you're on the part of the fans who think it's going to work out just perfectly. And I'm not there. No, I'm, I'm not thinking it's going to work out. I'm hoping it's going to work <laughs> out. I have said on this podcast last year when there was some rumors that Carmelo would come to the Rockets. I didn't want any part of him. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. Now, you know, because we have the Golden State Warriors, if the Golden State Warriors did not exist, I still would not want any part of them because I don't want, I wouldn't want anything to mess up our chemistry. Yeah. I'm assuming that the Warriors don't exist, the Rockets go to the finals and they win a championship. Why bring in Carmelo? You know, you have no point in bringing him in. Yeah. But right now, we need to take as many weapons as possible. The Rockets can afford to do that, I think. Mm-hmm. If Carmelo, just like you said, if Carmelo comes in, it doesn't work out, just cut him. Get rid of him. For the Rockets, this is really synonymous with the, Remember when we first got Dwight Howard and the next player available is Josh Smith? And everybody in Houston said, go get Josh. And it didn't work out. He went to Detroit and it was a horrible fit for him. And then eventually he made his way back to Houston. Give Durham more more credit. Whenever we have a player linked to us, eventually they make their way to Houston at some point. So Melo's here now, and I think it'll be similar to Josh Smith from the standpoint of there are moments of pure madness where you're like, what is this cat doing? And then there are moments of straight gold where like, this is why we wanted you here. And I think that's more along a line what we're going to get with Carmelo. Josh Smith was a success, a success in Houston. I think and it's was. just because of this that one particular game. Yeah. That game six against the L.A. Clippers. No one really talks about it, but that was mostly in part of Josh Smith. 
Yeah. Josh Smith made some huge shots yeah. in that run. And he had, I think he had more golden moments as a Rocket than he did moments that weren't so golden. I agree. He did. So he was, he was a success in Houston. If Carmelo Anthony is, is anything like that right now, then yes, that I want it. I, I, I'm fine with it 110%. Of course, Daryl Morey gets a lot of credit for a lot of stuff. The Rockets always lose players, and they just bring players in. It's almost like you know the Patriots. I make that comparison a lot with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. The Patriots, they can take care, get rid of anybody except Tom Brady and bring them in and still have a successful season. Yeah, I, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping, because I've gone back and forth about this. I've been on mixed emotions about the Carmelo Anthony thing, mm-hmm. but I think he's going to fit in. I do. Uh, everybody else outside of Rockets fans are thinking, oh, just wait, he's going to. You're gonna hate Carmelo here, yeah. But I, I, I kind of think that Carmelo senses that too, and I think he's gonna be okay. You think I'm gonna be garbage here? Like, like you said, that could be terrible. We could see Carmelo just go out there and just, oh, Mike, <laughs> what are you doing, Carmelo? But you know, when you look at the the tape and you look at all the stuff that Carmelo's doing in the off season, I've seen some of his stuff, some of his his uh, playground workout workouts. Man. I'm like. Mm-hmm. No, this guy, this guy looks hungry. Nah, he looked hungry last <laughs> year running in them, in them hoodies. It, it, it didn't work out for OKC. But like, like we said, OKC, it was just the wrong fit for him. I, yeah. I truly believe that. He was not going to work out on OKC. I don't care what happens. That that was a truly bad fit for him. Him and um, Russell Westbrook, they did not play well together. It just wasn't happening. When you have a, a point guard like Chris Paul, I've always emphasized that Chris Paul, to me, is the best point guard in the league. You have, you know, Curry, you have Westbrook, you have John Wall. We can argue that. But Chris Paul has the ability not just to make shots for himself, but he makes the whole team, all the players around him better as well. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to help out Carmelo tremendously. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so that's enough about Carmelo. Let's talk about one final topic before we head out. I wish Trey was here to talk about it too. But your boy, Des Bryant, that's your boy right there, right? Des Bryant is your boy. That is not my boy. Why are you pointing at Why are you pointing Because I want to confirm that that's your boy. So anyway, Des Bryant, he gets cut from the, the Dallas Cowboys. Now there's rumors that he might become a Cleveland Brown. He passed up the Ravens. The Ravens were giving him, I think, what? Three years, twenty-one million, yeah, something like that. He passed it up. It was good money. Yeah, it was good money. <laughs> he passed it up. His agent needs is probably looking around, just begging. Does does Des Bryant have anything in the tank? Is he is he still has he ever been an elite uh, wide receiver? So this is the thing. Last season we talked about this on a podcast, and one of the members of the podcast had him in their top five. We're not going to well, mention any names. No need, we don't even mention the name, but we know who it was. Dope. <laughs> and one of those same members said that DeAndre Hopkins was not in the top five. Mm, mm, yeah, fishy. <laughs> I don't want to say he's done. He shouldn't have passed up the opportunity with the uh, with the Ravens, but I think he's one of those veterans where eventually somebody may get injured and then he'll get picked up on a squad. But he has a bad reputation, but I don't know why. Because when you listen to you know the NFL sounds, he's never really been a bad teammate. The biggest blow up he had on the sidelines when you went back and listened to it, he was just trying to encourage his team. It looked the optics looked bad. It didn't look good. When we heard what he was saying, it's like, oh, he's just trying to motivate his team. He just doesn't have good hands anymore. And he's uh 
a step or two slower, and he's never been a great route runner. So he has a negative stigma for some for for whatever reason that may be. I don't really know why that's there, but it's also not very good anymore. I don't really think he's ever really had hands. I don't really think he's really ever really just had great hands as a wide receiver. I agree. When you look at, I think people have just put him there as a top right receiver just because his name is out there. Yeah. If this is kind of odd to say, but if you just put another name out there and said he was this Joe Blow, I don't think anybody would think that he was a top right receiver. He's made a name for his brand, whether it be stuff that he's an on the field or off the field. But he's made a name to himself to where you just look at him and be like, you know, yeah, of course he's a top five wide receiver. But then when you go at, at nonetheless, you're like, wow, this guy is not really a top five wide receiver. Yeah. That's just how I saw it. So now looking at it, he's 29 now, going to 30. I do think that not all the blame is on him. I do think that when he was playing with Romo, he had some of his best years. Um, I, I don't know if Dak Prescott really actually knew how to get him the ball, even though they had decent years. Des Bryant needs to look at the situation he's in right now and really decide what's best for him. I think Des Bryant had no inkling that he was not going to be a cowboy anymore. Mm-hmm. I think it caught him off guard. And now he's kind of salty about it. He did go at, I think it was a Sean, Sean Lee. Lee and a, another player. He wanted to be a cowboy. He wanted to die a cowboy. <laughs> I remember afterwards, it almost felt like he was going to retire. Yeah. Right? He was like, if I'm not a cowboy, I'm not playing with nobody. That's not the case anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he might, he's going to go somewhere eventually. And I do think that he thought the market would want him a little bit more. That, that's the thing. That's the thing. I think he went into this saying, all right, Dez is here. And everybody was like, okay. Dez <laughs> who? Dez who? Yeah, nobody was that excited about him. And he's at the point now where he's probably going to have to take some type of veterans minimum deal unless some team gets a big injury to the number one wide receiver during training camp or something of that nature. So if I were Dez, at this point, you might want to just hold off a little bit. Because at some point, somebody's going to try to kick the tires. They're going to figure out, okay, what does this cat really have left? Because he can be explosive for you. Because I agree with you. Des Bryant has never had hands. But him in the open field, that's where he does his damage. Uh, I guess the question I have for you then is, where we are now, where do you think would be the best fit for him in the NFL? Well, there is a player that has embraced the idea of having Des Bryant on their team. Antonio Brown has embraced the idea of having Des Bryant on the opposite side. Back that wide receiver. That being the case, I do understand that, but I do think Des Bryant will be a, a great fit and a great addition there. If you can have formations where you have Antonio Brown in the slot, which they do already, mm-hmm. and you have Des Bryant on the opposite end, that would help Des Bryant out tremendously. This is more so for Des Bryant than it is for the Steelers. Yeah. I think that Des Bryant eventually, he still wants to be on a contender. If he goes to the Browns, the Browns aren't going to go to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They might be a little bit better. People do have that team maybe going to the playoffs, but they're not going to win anything. Mm-hmm. If he goes to the Steelers, that gives him opportunity to take or help lead this team to a Super Bowl. He still has some motivation as far as that is concerned. Des Bryant has never been someone I've looked at and said he doesn't want to compete. He's definitely a, a competitor. Yeah. He wants to go to a team that competes. Um, it, it hurt him tremendously that he's not a cowboy. He did love the players he was with. He loved the star. 
And I think the Steelers is the next best thing. They're just as um, iconic in a way yeah. as the Cowboys. I think that he would love yeah. to be there. You mean in a way? They're more iconic than the Cowboys. I don't want to go that far. I mean, I'm going to defend the Cowboys here a little <laughs> bit. The Cowboys are a pretty iconic team. I don't, I'm not. The Steelers are in that tier. They're they're all together. yeah, they're all together. Um, but I don't know that they're as iconic as the Cowboys. I see Des Bryant kind of similar to Carmelo. Where I think the will is there. He wants to be competitive, but the skill ain't there no more. Because when you watch him play, it's particularly last season, he just couldn't beat cornerbacks anymore. He couldn't get separation. So for Des Bryant, he's going to need an elite wide receiver, um, excuse me, quarterback to throw him the ball. If I had to pick a team for him to go to where he can gain some discipline, it'd probably be the Patriots. The problem is he doesn't run routes well. And to play on the Patriots, you better be able to run routes. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can't run routes, it will not work out. Ask Chad Ochocinco what happens yeah. when you don't know how to run routes when you go to that team. So that would be a team about him I'd be gunning for. And then the Buffalo Bills. I mean, you want to go to a team, I think they already have Kelvin Benjamin there. I think that would be a team where he, he would get a lot of balls thrown his way on that type of team. But other than that, there's not much out there for him. There's not. And then there has to be other teams have to want him as well. If at the end of the day, the Browns are the only team that wants him, then you better take that's it. where he would take it. If if I was Des Bryant, I'll try to rekindle the offer with the Ravens. Oh, hey, ain't happening. I know, <laughs> I know it's not happening. But if I was Des, I would try to do that. I do think the best fit is the Steelers. You talk about having a, a good to elite quarterback. I think that's Big Ben. You talk about an offense that's explosive. I think that will be a perfect fit for Des Bryant going to the Steelers. I mean, I I think there are a number of teams that will be decent for him. The Titans will be a decent team for him. They don't really have a number one receiver, so that Mm. would be a good team. Maybe the Texans? Nah. He needs to go to a team that has an established quarterback. Even going to the Titans, that's going to be a situation where— Oh, they wouldn't want him, though. Yeah, they wouldn't want him. So, anyway— Guys, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, whether it's on the radio or you looked us up, please subscribe. Uh, we do this for you. Um, if you want to subscribe or if you want to follow us, you can follow us on, on Podbeam or you can follow us on our website. That is uh, newchannelsports.com or it's newchannelsports.podbeam.com. That's new channel spelled N-U-C-H-A-N-N-E-L sports or newchannelsports.podbeam.com. Um, follow us. Leave some comments. Like I said, we do this for you guys. Anything else, Chris? Shout out to Red Nation. Bulls on parade. Shout out to the Rockets, man. They're going to have a good, good year next year. Do them, Carmelo. Thanks for listening to the New Channel Sports Podcast. Leave comments. Please rate the podcast with five stars. And don't forget to subscribe.